the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, Patriots. Welcome back to the Battle for 1600, our regular update with my friend, former colleague in the White House, Boris Epstein, with regards to the crazy year it's been and the crazy year it will be for the next 250-odd days. Welcome back, Boris Epstein. Follow this man, Boris EP, on Twitter, breakfastwithboris.com, and also, of course, our website, sebgorka.com. Uh, we're recording this right after the long weekend. We are. Usually presidential weekends are a chance to kind of get away <laughs> from it all, get away from the news. Not this weekend, This weekend, right, Boris? No doubt about it. And the best news of the weekend, and I think maybe the best news of the year. Is what? Was President Trump and Melania Trump, First Lady Melania Trump's appearance at NASCAR. Because that is what, how many people do you think, 100,000? How many people? Probably, probably. Huge crowd at Daytona. Huge crowd at the biggest NASCAR. You know, NASCAR does it interestingly. They have their biggest race at the beginning of the season. Huge crowd, Florida, America. Yeah, Jeff Gordon, arguably the best racer of all time between him and Dale Earnhardt, God rest his soul. Jeff Gordon was on the race. He was the commentator on TV saying how excited he was. And then this was one of the only times He's wanted to get back in a car and race. <laughs> well, Don- well, you saw that interview. The president said, I might have to get in the car as well. Maybe. Did you? And the, the president, first of all, coming in on Air Force One, Over 800 the feet, oh, buzzes the crowd, lands right next to it, gets in the beast, drives around, which George W. Bush did too, but what no president has ever done is the President Trump paced the field. Yes. He set the pace. I want to know, the pace for the I know who, how they decided which Secret Service agent was going to be the guy behind can you, the wheel can you to Im- take the beast as the pace car around the NASCAR How cool is that, huh? And then, gentlemen, start, start your, your engines. engines. I, All right, great. Unbelievable. I po- unbelievable. I posted uh, on Twitter, uh, there must have been a vehicle in front of the beast that took an incredible photograph of the beast banked on the track. <laughs> how did they do that? How did they do the front? Was that Ask, a, was ask a dr- Danska did Savino, was, was it, right? Must have been a drone. Must have been, been a drone. Because yeah. it was the front of the beast banked yeah. on the track yeah. with all the NASCAR right. vehicles behind him. I guess it was a drone. A lot of people. Like, for me, that kind of summed up the Trump presidency, that we've got that adulation, that American essence at that event, the, the first lady, uh, Air Force One, the president. And then on the other side, what's happening on the left? Boris, Bloomberg, Bernie, not a good weekend for the Democrats because these are the two top runners right now, correct? Well, here's the issue. here's what's going on, and, and, and I'm still, you know, th- this podcast is going to be up today. He's battle for 1600. What we're doing is we're discussing this race, and we'll be discussing a lot of what these, this Dem- Democrat dumpster fire is doing between now and when they finally choose a nominee. It's only getting worse, isn't it? Which, by the way, may not – I predict that there's a chance – that they do not get a nominee up until convention, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is in July mm-hmm. of this year in Milwaukee, which 
interestingly, they just had to suspend the people running the convention in Milwaukee for abusive workplace practices. So the Democrats from Iowa to Milwaukee, this is not a good story for the DNC. Iowa caucuses disaster. Nevada caucuses, which are coming up on the 22nd, are building up to be a big league disaster because they're using pretty much the same app, and it's a mess. Which came from Shadow Inc., that the three lead technical individuals of worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign and the same Shadow Inc. that created the app for the Iowa caucus. It's just a statement of fact, was paid $42,000. Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete's campaign, Pete Buttigieg. So if you're looking for theories about why this is going so south, there's more than enough evidence there. Let's talk about so, specifically this. So Iowa disaster, uh, yep. Nevada disaster. Yep. Don't have a candidate who's really a true leader. And now the, even the convention, which is, you know, the end from the beginning, which is the Iowa caucuses, to the end of their primary process, which is the convention, they are having a nuclear level meltdown with the Democrats. And it's a total mess. You had Biden who was the presumptive leader, presumptive nominee, really. In it's a as lot if of he's forgotten in the last few days. Which we'll talk about. I actually still do not fully accept that Biden is dead in the water. Why? Because he is the establishment guy? He's got name ID. Name ID. And it is still so wide open. And Bloomberg, you know, is saying stupid things as he's, as he's often done in his career. Bloomberg is not known as a good retail politician. Guys, I know, so, you know, I was in finance for a long time in New York, sort of the Wall Street royalty of the 70s and 80s, who are maybe 10 years younger than Bloomberg, but no Bloomberg. You know, Bloomberg obviously made his money on that Bloomberg terminal. So it was a Wall Street conduit. You know, it's, it's a Wall Street tool, right? right. Sort of instant messaging for, for finance. Right. Those Wall Street guys all do not, most do not like Bloomberg. I'm not going to say all. Because? Because he's aloof. Because he says strange things. Because he's, you know, almost weirdly reserved, and he's obnoxious. Yeah, he thinks he's better than everybody. We're going to talk about agriculture. Some, some, you know, agriculture and some amazing cuts about Hispanics and blacks that have come out from, from I guess, the Democrats who don't like Bloomberg have been leaking this uh, footage. But first things first, I, we don't rehearse this. We're completely natural ad hoc on this show. Boris, given this fascinating background that you have in finance, in Wall Street, on various campaigns, then in the White House, in the Trump White House, along with me. Let me ask you this, uh, because this is something that's kind of troubled me over the last few days. How can you be a 54 billion, latest count, he's up to 63 billion, whatever. How can you be an uber successful finance guy in Wall Street with as lacking a charisma Don't you need, you said retail politician, you said. Right. Don't you need to have a little bit of that kind of political sense, what we call in the UK, nous, to function on Wall Street? Or is it just a geek who made good? It's the latter. It is. It's the geek who made good, and it goes exactly to what I just told you. Right. You know this, and that's why you're as successful as you are at being on radio, at being in the media. You read people well, right, Seb? You know this from just your intuition, which I have heard empirically which is people in Man- on Manhattan, people on Wall Street, do not like Bloomberg, right. even though they used to work with him because he used to go around saying how he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, how his terminal was amazing. And guess what? You've got to give it to the guy. 
he did make a lot of money. He was successful. No, absolutely. Just he should stay out of politics. Right. He, Why that translates to being potentially a good political candidate, I don't understand. Well, the I, don't, I don't think Bill Gates would be a good political candidate. Right. right? Bill, Gla- Bill Gates also is notoriously aloof. Or what was Nyak? These guys can invent stuff. Right. That makes them billionaires, but that doesn't mean you're charismatic, right? You're totally, Bloomberg is a techie, right? So Bloomberg is a techie. He's sort of the Mark Zuckerberg of his day in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So and Zuckerberg, you know, it does, uh, with all due respect to his business, mm-hmm. he's got the personality of a doorknob, Zuckerberg. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not so, charismatic either. So, right, you know, right. he's got the hoodies and stuff. So Bloomberg is in a lot of ways like that. And he made his bones, made his career, made his money on this terminal. He made it by selling the tour, by charging a lot of money for it. And God bless him. That's America. It's the beauty yeah, of America. Right. You have a guy who didn't come up with much, made a lot of money, has been successful in business. But the problem with these rich guys is this. When you've been rich for a long time, when you first make money, you, you have your wits about you. You know your negatives. You know your positives. And maybe Bloomberg did. Maybe he didn't. The fact that people who were around him when he was first making it don't like him yeah. will tell you that he was always obnoxious. Right. But the problem is now... He's been out east, as they say in Manhattan. He's been in the Hamptons for too long. Been playing golf at Atlantic Decades. for too long. Right. He's been around the people who are, who are just always yes people for too long. And he's been patrician for too long. So he has completely removed himself from, from true, real America. He lives you know, in this 100th floor. And that's a huge contrast to Donald Trump, who's a blue-collar billionaire. I don't, I don't have uh, – we have three audio cuts for for this podcast i'm not sure if we also have is cut four available okay so th- you use the word patrician and this is stunning i mean i worked on a farm as a kid right um this is oh I, there's many other things we can discuss but let's let's just play what has been going around the internet in oxford uh, bloomberg talking about how stupid farmers are. Cut for. To, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank in the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. 1.98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy, and the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology, and the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze, and that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. Now, um, the idea that feeding us, feeding right. Mayor Bloomberg, is a function of dropping a seed in the dirt, watering and coming back a few months later, isn't that the, the essence of the arrogance of these people, Boris? Well, I tweeted out a, at Bloomberg a picture of these modern-day tractors, <laughs> modern-day technology. I mean, Combines. The, the, the GPS program, exactly. combine harvesters, the drones, satellites. Yeah. The, right. The, the modernization of agriculture, actually, in a lot of ways, is what's brought America to where it is, right? I mean, you go from the cotton gin on, right? And then the modernization of agriculture has, is what's developed the world. But there's an underlying issue here that's, yeah. that's deeper than a misunderstanding, apparently, on Bloomberg's part of how agriculture works. The deeper issue is disdain. Yes. 
She has disdain for groups of people. She has disdain for the Birdie Bros, which, by the way, hey, Mike Bloomberg, Mini Mike, Mikey Mouse, if you, which, by the way, I wanted to get you a like on Mikey, Mikey Mouse. Mouse. I know. I'm Is trying, that you? I came up, actually. Ooh, I like that. Have, have you give, sent that to the boss? I haven't sent it to him yet. You need to. I'm, I'm holding off on it until okay. we can okay, really guys, fully fire it. Okay, guys, if you're listening, it. we want you to meme uh, uh, Bloomberg's face on Mickey Mouse's ears. Send it to us. Tag us. Boris EP. Seb Gorker on Twitter. That is very good. Mickey Mouse, Mikey Mouse, perfect. You heard it here. We, Mikey Mouse. You heard it here first. And it was a it was a combination effort between me and my wife, actually, to be honest. Oh, right. Yeah. Hat, hat so, tip. Hat so tip. hat tip to Lauren Epstein. We came up, came up with it together. So mini Mike, Mikey Mouse, one thing, he, you know, he doesn't understand how agriculture works. But forget the technology. Bernie, it's, it's not about that. A hundred years ago, you need to know the seasons, the weather, crop rotation, soil quality, the idea that... This guy thinks you drop seed. Could you imagine if he ran a farm? He'd be starving by the end of the week. I definitely wouldn't want to be eating off that farm. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's not a farm I wouldn't want to be no. eating. The issue is that he has disdain for groups of people. Yeah. And uh, Bernie Bros. So, Mikey Mouse, if you win somehow this nomination, do you not think you're going to need the base of the Democratic Party? Which, by the way, is not made up of 78-year-old Tend, tens of billionaires. <laughs> what do what do farmers think of that when they hear that? Farmers think that he looks down on them. Yeah. The Bernie Bros think I know he looks down on them. You've heard his comments on race. You know. His, by the way, I'm in favor of stop and frisk. I am. Me too. I always have been. Me too. But guess irrespective what of skin color. But guess what? Totally respective right. of race. Weapons. Or skin color. It's about weapons. But guess what? We are not doing. What? We're not running for president in the Liberal Democratic Party. <laughs> Let, let's let's listen to this comment, which is as bad as the the farming one. Um, this is uh, nine years ago on PBS. He is again, as you said, Boris, talking about a whole right. segment of society based upon skin color and ethnicity, yep. and just saying they are too stupid. Mike Bloomberg, cut three. This cohort of black and Latino males aged, let's say, 16 to 25, that don't have jobs, don't have any prospects, don't know how to find jobs, don't know uh, that they, what their skill sets are, don't know how to behave in the workplace. Napoleon complex. We're talking about what's driving this man. So you're, you're saying there's a AIDS group of Hispanics and black men who are too dumb to know how to get and keep a job. Has Donald Trump ever Never. said anything like that? And what would happen if he had, Boris? Oh, my God. That's Could it. Could you imagine? End of, end of career. Don Lemon, Don Lemon would... Go absolutely berserk for, for he, weeks. He would keep, he would pound his head on the table like he did at that one horrible segment he did with, with Rick, Rick Wilson, Wilson over and over again. Chris Bromo, as I call him, Chris Cuomo would do a million push-ups just to get his anger out. So if Donald Trump said anything even remotely, remotely resembling the utter racism of what Bloomberg just said, it would be game over for him with mainstream media. But Bloomberg, to give him a pass, guess why? Because Bloomberg is a part of mainstream media. He owns Bloomberg, which, by the way... He's not writing about him. I, I thought they weren't writing about him, except two days ago I saw a story on Bloomberg politics about... A puff piece. Bloomberg. Oh, something's going on. Okay, but, so let's go deeper. Let me... Go ahead. There's one more the thing about Bloomberg. We are just talking about this. Yeah. He, by definition, as who he is, and again, we know these guys, he's a little guy, he's made a lot of money, he's deeply insecure... 
and he looks down on people. And what's the definition of? Well, looking down on people when you're short, that's Bonapartism, right? That's Nap- the Napoleon, Napoleon complex. Napoleon complex. That's what these guys are Classic. Like, you see that picture? It's been falling around. Yes. Road. It's a funny picture. With the president and with, uh, uh, with got the, Julie- Jared Kushner. No, 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 no. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen that oh, one. Oh, I'm going to show that to you. Show me that one. <laughs> it looks like a child. Well, here's, standing next to two men. Here's this one. It's and, and, and somebody. I think it was actually Andrew Kaczynski. You got to give it uh, Andrew K. Files the credit here. He said, "Caption this," and it's from left to right: Giuliani, Donald J. Trump, Bloomberg, Bill Clinton, <laughs> Joe Torre, the Yankees manager, and Billy Crystal. Here was my caption. Okay. Yeah. My first caption was analyze this because of Billy Crystal the movie. Yeah. Here's my caption for each one of them. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. Yep. Donald Trump, America's president. Nice. Mike Bloomberg, the caddy. <laughs> Bill Clinton, slick willy. Joe Torre, go Yankees. And Bill and Billy Crystal, city slicker. Have you t- have you tweeted that? I out? tweeted it. All right, I I'll find that. All right. So, but Bloomberg, and th- we're not making fun of people's appearances. He just looks like of a person who doesn't even belong in that no. group. He's not a winner. He's, have you seen the videos of him on on stage during a pantomime? And he just looks so uncomfortable. He's that playing play- like in that outfit. He, he, no, what first he that? plays Mary Poppins, okay, and he's on wires floating around, and he looks so uncomfortable. Then he's in the Little Mermaid, dressed as a mermaid. fish. Oh my gosh! Could anyway. you ever imagine? Let me ask you this: You think Donald Trump's ever dressing up as a Little Mermaid? No, not happening. Uh, <laughs> last thing on on him: um, Why is it? And I don't want to say really bad things about a large group of people. But why is it that Democrats don't have a problem with Bloomberg's racist comments? Why is that? I think. Why does he get a pass? I think they. So I'm not sure he's getting a pass. I'm not sure. But he is doing better in the polls. But it's yet to be seen what happens. There's a lot of time to be left. Remember, Bloom, uh, right now, Bloomberg has zero delegates. Yeah. Bernie Buttigieg each had, what, 23, 22 right. delegates, somewhere there. And you need I, and over 1,500 delegates. Bloomer doesn't have any delegate stuff. Let's see what actually happens. Okay. I think that this enthusiasm about Bloomberg is similar to the enthusiasm about the recession that you know that Joe Scarborough and others had that never happened. They all want Bloomberg because they know Bloomberg's got a lot of money. Right. And they think in their old way of thinking that money wins elections. Well, guess what? Yeah. We got outspent by Hillary Clinton. Fact of two. Three to one. Well, if you right. count the PACs. PACs, like okay. two to one. Right. PACs, three to one. Right. So it's not about that. It's one word that wins elections. We've talked about it. Yeah. Remember what that is? It's authenticity. It's authenticity, my friend. Before we get to our special guests this week on the Battle for 1600 with my buddy Boris Epstein, one last audio cut. This is from the other leading candidate, Bernie Sanders, who's not even a Democrat. It's incredible. He's an independent. Don't know how he's going to get a nomination from a party he's not a member mm. of. This is a video after he visited Moscow during the Cold War with his wife for their honeymoon. Cut nine, Bernie Sanders. Point out that when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also we were here? extremely yeah, could- impressed by their public transportation system. The stations themselves were absolutely beautiful, uh, including many works of art, chandeliers that were beautiful. It was a very, very effective system. Also, I was impressed by the youth programs that they have, uh, their palaces of, of, of culture for, for the young people, a whole variety of young uh, of programs for young people, and cultural programs which go far beyond what we do in this country. Uh, we went to a, a, a theater in Yaroslavl, which was absolutely beautiful, had three separate stages, 
where cultural programs are put on by professional actors and actresses, including a puppeteer uh, area. And the cost, the highest price of the ticket that you can get was the equivalent of $1.50. He was impressed. It was lovely. The culture was superb. Where, where were you uh, in 1988, Boris? In 1988, 1989, when he was in Moscow, yeah. I was a child in Moscow. I was six, were you seven, impressed? Six, seven years old. Uh, I was impressed with the, lo- of the length of the bread lines. You know, I was impressed with the fact that when you go to the store, there was nothing there. And Bernie Sanders obviously was fooled by what the KGB or the the Soviet foreign ministry at the time showed him. And he probably thinks strippers like him, too. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Bernie Sanders, because because he's not putting it on. He sounds like he's really. Wow. The culture is great. The gulags, not so much. Culture, nice. What the what a joke I'm making is right, and, and it's it's sort of an old boy's joke is that you know he's the kind of guy that goes. I'm not saying he does, but if you if you went to a strip club, hypothetically, hypothetically, Bernie Sanders went to a strip club and a nice Ooh, she woman, likes me, a nice woman, yeah, did a little dance for him and then got, got, took money from him. He's like, I think she really likes, likes me. me. Guess what, Bernie? You just got fooled. Right. And Bernie Bernie Sanders went to Moscow, and then uh, actually a second part of the clip is his wife talking. Yes, and we she, have that as well. And she talks about how great all of the opportunities are and how great it is for the kids. You know, let me tell you this. As a Jewish kid in Moscow, and this is no no joke, no overstatement, from a young age, my parents did not feel safe letting me out to play in the courtyard of our apartment building. Of your own building? Of our own building. And you know why? Why? Because here, and I've said this to you, here I could look Greek, I could look Italian. In Moscow, Russia, a chubby kid with dark hair is unquestionably Jewish. And my last name is, my first name is Boris, first right. name is Epstein. Right, right, right. And, and this under... So you'd be, you'd be, physical violence would be a problem. Potential. Wow. This undercurrent of anti-Semitism was so ingrained. This is crucial because he's Jewish. He, so Bernie Sanders. And is now trying to remind people of that after running away for, from it for no, years. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't his political identity. And he goes to one of the most anti-Semitic regimes for his honeymoon as an American Jew. Right. And then he sings its praises. And he praises it. And also, you know, even from someone who you, he's a, a, a congressman at the time, I believe, right? right? From a U.S. elected official, a member of Congress, you'd expect somebody to be more astute because keep in mind, 88, 89 is the full on downfall of the Soviet Union. Right. Right. Gorbachev is now 85 and then it's collapsing from and then. 89 is when the Berlin Wall right. fell. Right. Right. So he is pr- pr- singing the praises <laughs> as this regime is completely. Oh, cheap tickets. Cheap tickets. Wonderful. <laughs> what a wonderful play. There's no one else here, you know? Otherwise, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the show? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, Ouch. That's what he's doing, this guy. And it's it, it, it's embarrassing at the time. And you know what's even more embarrassing? What? Is that at least I haven't seen it, and I'm willing to be proven wrong. I have not seen a full disavowal from him of those things. No. No, Have I you? see nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, if it's out there, please tweet at us. Please we'll, let us we'll, know. We'll use we'll, the audio. We'll, we'll, we'll use the audio. We'll play it and totally. we'll acknowledge it. Yeah. But I haven't seen it. And the question for Bernie Sanders has to be has to be posed, has to be asked. Do you, disavow. Senator Sanders, right. disavow your support for the communist, anti-Semitic, authoritarian Soviet regime? Yeah. That's the question. That's why he's our guest. That's why he's my co-host on the Battle for 1600, Boris Epstein. Follow him, Boris EP, and go to breakfast with Boris.com. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is the Battle for 1600. And now, where's our guest? He's in the building. Stand by for our special guest here on the Battle for 1600.
I know you love the witty repartee between Boris and myself every week on the Battle for 1600, but we have to have our special guest, somebody that brings us back down to earth, talks about what's <laughs> really going on, gives us a deep dive. We're, we're the political operators, the voices, <laughs> the faces, the talent. Now we bring in the real experts, and this week somebody I have massive respect for. His organization with Tom Fitton, Tom Fitton Judicial Watch, is one of the four organizations I really think is saving America, along with the Heritage Foundation, Turning Point USA, and the NRA. Uh, he is Chris Farrell, Director of Investigations. Do you get a badge? Do they give you a badge and a gun at Judicial Watch for, for being <laughs> Director of Investigations? I don't need one. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, nice. nice. There you go. He doesn't need one. They're already scared of him. I feel Without so badge. safe. I feel so safe. I love yeah, it. Yeah, for those, you, you've been a guest on America First several times, but for sure. those of you who are new to this podcast, in just 30 seconds, who's Chris Farrell? What did you do before Judicial Watch? So uh, I've been at Judicial Watch for 20 years now, so just a short period. Um, <laughs> but before that, I was an Army intelligence officer, and I did mostly counter-espionage work, but I was also trained as a clandestine human intelligence case officer. So, so you know how to find bad guys as well as wrong guys. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that's that was my misspent youth. Good. Well, you, you are the perfect individual for navigating the, the rat's nest, the viper's den, the swamp that is D.C. Uh, I asked you to come on today because of all the incredible developments in just the last really four or five days in terms of bad guys, sure. DOJ decisions. So we have uh, incredible news with regards to General Flint's case. We have really interesting news with regards to uh, the case against Roger Stone. And then very disturbing news with regards to Andrew McCabe and the declination. I'm on fire about that. Yeah, yeah. you're not the only one. My, yeah. my Twitter feed exploded. I went on them and said, guys, calm down. I know you're pissed. Relax for a second. Because just the Clinton email leak charges are at issue right now. That doesn't mean that Andy McCabe's swamp creature par excellence is scot-free, is, is no longer in legal jeopardy. I want Chris Farrell to explain to us the, the, the big muscle movements in those three issues. Yeah, I think the most important thing to remember is that Mr. Durham has not spoken. Right, he hasn't said. Right. The only time he's spoken was an official statement where they disagreed with, with I.G. Horowitz, right, correct? Right, and, and, and so I think with respect to analyzing McCabe and any jeopardy or any exposure that he has legally, uh, Durham is still a wild card. And so, with, with with what kind of reputation? With a very tough reputation. I mean, he took down Whitey Bulger and all sorts of FBI corruption up in Boston. So he putting bad, you know, guys dirty in agents, badges, bad dirty cops, agents. exactly. Right. And so, um, you know, we haven't heard from him, and uh, I expect that we will. And uh, there's folks who are you know ready to jump off windowsills and stuff, and I'm not there. I, I think there's still a long way to go, and. Uh, just, you know, keep your powder dry. So let me ask this question. As an attorney, right, I look at these cases, and I take a step back, and I didn't practice, you know, criminal litigation, but I studied it, obviously, extensively. If you look at the cases, you look at what what Joan Flynn is accused of, sure. right, which is lying not under oath, but he's accused of misleading investigators, right? And then you look at McCabe, and according to I.G. Horvitz's report, lied at least four times to investigators, three of those, under oath. True. Now, specifically on those misstatements, specifically on those lies, he has now been let go scot-free. Is that not the case? Because he, even, he got a notice from the DOJ saying, we are no longer investigating. It's, a, it's a narrow scope on one fact set. And that's why I say Durham is yet to do what he's going to do. So 
Look, if I interview you for two hours, I guarantee I will get, get you on 18 U.S.C. 1000. Yeah, you'll forget something, mistake something. Right. You will say of in one instance, and you'll say from in another instance. And I'll say that that's deceptive. So when it comes to false official statements, and that's really 18 U.S.C. 1001, that's the site to the law. Um, if I interview for two hours, you're dead. I got gotcha. you. So, and that's the way to look at this. In one narrow fact set, with respect to what McCabe had earlier talked about, what Horowitz investigated, they took a pass. But that does not address the broader, it's really a seditious conspiracy to overthrow the presidency. That is a much larger crime. It's also a much tougher crime. Much tougher. That's, that, that was my reaction. But, but we, you know, just because somebody took a pass on a narrow scope issue doesn't mean it's a. But it's why a free take a pass record. on McCabe, and why do they not take? A, and I think I know the answer. But why, in your in your estimation, why is McCabe getting that pass that Flynn and then Roger Stone about Congress did not get? Yeah, the disparity of treatment can't be explained. I I, I can't explain it. I can't apologize for it. There's no good explanation in my view. And there is an outrageous disparity. Outrageous, correct. The disparity right. of treatment is crazy. Disgusting. So, you know, over the Supreme Court, it says equal justice under law. Right. Ha, right? It's a joke right It's a now. joke. But there is the opportunity to fix it. It can happen. I think Durham is the answer. Um, and I would just... I hope so. I, that's where my faith and trust lies. Could this it, argument that, that they dropped it because it was clear from the grand jury... That with a state like D.C., where 91 percent of the population voted for Hillary, uh, it's their responsibility to only bring charges if there's a, a likelihood that they could actually lead right. to a prosecution. Against conservative. Does that mean that you can commit crimes in D.C. if you're a Democrat? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a level of tea leaf reading that I don't buy. Okay. Uh, you know, go, the, the alternative to that is the famous line about being able to indict a ham sandwich. Ham sandwich. Right. So, you know, if I get somebody in front of a grand jury and, of course, the prosecutor is the only one talking, there's no defense counsel, there's no alternative argument, there's nothing, you can line it up in such a way, you know, that it, it's going to be bad How news. many members of the grand jury do you need? It's a majority, right? Correct. And so, um, uh, you know, I, in fact, in beautiful Fairfax County, Virginia, I've been the foreman of a grand jury, which was quite an experience. We'll talk about another day. Uh, but, you know, the, a grand jury just needs a reasonable suspicion or a belief that there's some reason that there should, this should go forward. It's a very low threshold. Well, let's ask another level of question. So right now, a grand jury wasn't paneled on this, on the Andy McCabe issue. They did not come up with an indictment, correct? That grand jury was impaneled in D.C. Or, or, or one was not even presented, right? I guess that's a possibility. But I, from the... I mean, there's prosecutorial the discretion. Leaks, right. So the, the prosecutorial, prosecutorial discretion may have been on the part of DOJ, that they never even actually brought it before the grand jury. Which would be, in my, in my opinion, malpractice. And since, my opinion. But since the grand jury operates in secret, no one knows. And, and the grand jury was extended. But here's the question. Could now, he was not indicted by that grand jury. Could a grand jury be impaneled in Virginia? Could one be impaneled else. in New York? Could one be impaneled in, in anywhere else in D.C. or in Hartford, or in, Connecticut, in, in, in where Mr. Durham is. Right. right? Is I mean, that possible? Or course. is that double jeopardy at that point? Uh, no. So now I we mean, get legal stuff here. Yeah, I mean, it's not double jeopardy double unless jeopardy. he's gone through a court case. Correct. And yeah. he hasn't gone through a court Correct. case. Correct. So there's, there's a lot of wiggle room. Let's just put it that way. All right. So, so, so Durham could, so just, just to drive this point home, Durham could still take McCabe's apparent, according to the Inspector General of the DOG, DOJ, lying under oath, and still indict, get an indictment against McCabe on that. Yeah, they can. They could. I mean, so the photographic negative of that is Manafort. 
where DOJ took a pass on him years earlier. In 1514. And then before. came back and said, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right, right. You spent too much money on your suits. Right. And then went after right. him in Your mortgage way. application was badly filled You got in. Donald Trump elected. And so you helped get, <laughs> now you got, but you helped. You participated. Therefore, you're a criminal. You participated in Donald right. Trump being elected. Therefore, we're going to go to town on you, try to squeeze you. Oh, wait, you got nothing to give? Well, now you're in solitary confinement, you know, and, and we, you know, we want to right. ruin Again, your life. Well, this is, this is a big negative, but... It also points out the disparity. So just for the record, this is a big day. You, 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 you're sitting uh, in front of the TV screens. I can see them. So we have a full pardon for Bernie Carrick, Commissioner Carrick from the president moments ago, and also a commutation of sentence for um, uh, Blagojevich. So he'll, he will not need to finish his sentence. Just want to add a little judicial. Here's a, here's a fun blagout. Blagojevich. Blago, yeah. yeah. So we sued for and have pursued the FBI 302s, the reports of investigation or interview on that case uh, of Obama, because President Obama was interviewed with respect to selling of his Ooh. Senate seat on Blagojevich. What happened to that? Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're still waiting. But all I'm saying, it's an yeah, yeah. appellate process. But with the commutation, it essentially becomes a moot point. Moot point. It? Right. Uh, although, we're, we're, but I still want to read Obama's interview. Yeah. And although, and there's that we'll get, massive, we'll massive little drop. So, from uh, Alan Dershowitz, who says that he has proved that President Obama used the FBI right. to target a political rival. That's this morning as we record this podcast. This is The Battle for 1600 with my partner, Boris Epstein, special guest, uh, Chris Farrell, director of investigations for Judicial Watch. Support this organization. They are fighting corruption in the swamp every single day. Let's, let's hit very quickly the, the last two big issues uh, of, of, of the last few days. Um, Roger Stone, Mike Flynn. Roger Stone, it, it's absolutely clear that this is a mistrial. I, I need to hear uh, Chris Farrell's take. And then with regard to the indefinite postponement of the Flynn trial, doesn't that mean the sort of Damocles is hanging over this man's head in perpetuity? Yeah, justice delayed is justice denied, and that's a position that General Flynn's been put in. Right. Uh, the entire thing is a, is, is a sham. It's a nightmare. And, uh, you know... It, there's no good explanation for it. I mean, it's impossible to describe the amount of corruption that went into going after and targeting him. Look, if you go back in time when General Flynn was director of DIA, he made enemies at the FBI and Department of Justice because he wasn't playing on the team. He was yeah. sort of very aggressively running the DIA the way that he saw fit. Trying to fix it. Correct. And that also disturbed various, you know, it broke some rice bowls over DOJ and FBI. And so there's a lingering hatred, and that you see this manifest in the way that and he was going after. And what else did he do? Well, he did a lot of very good things. And then he helped Donald Trump get elected. And then he Trump became elected. a right. national security right. advisor designate for Correct. President Trump. And he helped Correct. Donald Trump get elected. And, yeah. and the other thing That's is, the common thread. and when you yeah. see this seditious conspiracy that was designed against the president, the one man who could have unraveled the entire thing in about 30 seconds, once there was some exposure to what they were actually doing and plotting, General Flynn would have seen through it in about 20 seconds. And he would have gone to his boss and said, you know, they're setting you up. They're yeah, trying to right, destroy you. Right. So the first thing they had to do is take the, the senior most, most, most knowledgeable, most direct knowledge, contact, you know, training experience, et cetera. Right. The guy could, who could look at it and call it rotten in two seconds, they had to get him out of there and make him a criminal. And that's exactly what they did. And we were both in the building at that time. We so were, we were in the White House. interview, which I believe was, what, a week in? Not even, just a couple of days couple, in. Couple, yeah. Yeah. So we were both there. And as you well know from your experience, when you start a new administration, there's a million things going on. People, things are running around. From what I understand, General Flynn thought that this was a debriefing in terms of him 
coming into his post. The, the FBI said, can we have a chat can we, with him? Can we with talk? And, and, and he said, sure. Co- collegial discussion. And then after that, Comey said to Congress, right. John Flynn did not lie. And now all of a sudden he gets in debt. Come on. It's a total joke. So what has to happen with both Flynn and Stone? Uh, General Flynn, I mean, I think... The, just drop drop the thing, make the whole thing. Yeah, make. this is also an opportunity for I think Attorney General Barr to exercise some discretion and say, uh, you know, there's been such a pattern of abuse and and, and an ira- erratic judge, no? Uh, Emma Sullivan, uh, hot and cold. He, he hot and cold is a way to describe yeah. him. Uh, I've seen him be very aggressive and very strong on some issues. Okay, and then other times. Right. From the bench, he'll say something that's actually quite provocative and almost encouraging well, because he, it sounds like he's going to do the right thing. But then he had to retract something. He said and, something treasonous correct. about and then, he goes, and then he goes back into chambers, and then he kind of re-whatever. And right. so, yeah. Hot so what, what, are the options? what are the options for Mike Flynn? I mean, what, what can DOJ do? Can DOJ say, they can this withdraw, is just garbage? They can withdraw. withdraw the charge. They can say, whoops, okay. and okay. let it go. Now, with Roger Which is Stone, what they should do. Well, with what A.G. Barr should do. With Roger Stone, now that we know this foreman was a Democrat candidate, was tweeting, was writing yep. about the case, about Roger yeah. Stone. This is a real abusive process. Does this mean the, the judge has to be put through a, another trial, a mistrial? Again, there's no obligation to do okay. so, right? Okay. I mean, they could just walk away and uh, and say, you know, goodbye, good luck. Um, it's discretionary, right? Right. People have the ability to make decisions here. It's not carved in stone. And when you see this this fact pattern, which is quite damning, uh, the abuse, the distortion, the out? jury uh, foreman. How did it come how out? How did the news about the jury foreman come out? Do we know? who? What was the genesis of that? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Because that, that's interesting to know, right? Where does It, it was a news from? report. I think it was, it was a news report. report. Yeah, know, but yeah. you, if you yeah. walk it back, like who kicked it who out? Who dropped who it out? It out? I, I don't know. know. It, might, it may have been. Because to your point about walking away, now the four overzealous, let's be honest, investigators who were on that case, the remnants of the Mueller investigation, the prosecutors, the prosecutors, the, the four overzealous prosecutors, they're all gone now, right? No, I mean, I think gone in the sense of from that is case. From the case. case. You think you got to remember is Attorney General Barr is sitting at the top of the Department of Justice. He has about six people he can rely on. And the rest of I the entire body. Yeah, if that. The rest of the entire body, the rank and file, the Department of Justice, is an army of Sally Yates's and Bruce Orr's. Right. That's who mans the rank and file, filling the cubicles. And so you have Attorney General Barr up on top, and he's trying to do the right thing. He has a small handful of people he can actually rely upon. And the body operating underneath right. him is, Deep state. is at best neutral and at worst Actively it, undermining what he's I've doing. I've said it before, of all the corrupt agencies and departments, DOJ was the most corrupted, in my opinion, under the Obama years. What? If you look at everything else, the DOJ was a cesspit. L- last question, if you've yeah. got one, Boris, jump in. Um, despite everything that's happened in the last few days, you still have faith in A.G. Barr, Chris Farrell. I do, yeah. Absolutely. Good. I, you know, he, he, the, the, the spat over the, tweets. the, pre- the president's opining via Twitter... You know, uh, the really cynical part of me says, it's hey, play. we need to have a fight. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll uh, slap you on this cheek. <laughs> you slap me on that cheek. You know, I'm not worried about it. Right. You know, uh, any number of people have gone on the record saying the president has full faith and confidence in Mr. Barr. Right. And I think the vice versa. And, you know, the fact that the president has an opinion and exercises it aggressively yeah. 
You know, the flip side, again, more photographic negatives, is you have Eric Holder openly proclaiming wingman. that he's the wingman. Wingman. Right? wingman. So give me a break. You know, yeah, th- th- right. this cl- clutching of pearls and, well, you know, getting the vapors and collapsing because, <laughs> it, because the president has an opinion to grow up. Baron Boris. On that note, knowing the pre- having the honor to know the president as I do and, and as Sebastian does, I don't think it was pre Determined. I don't think it was organized, but I think it played out a lot of the way you sang. It played out in that it's actually a positive to show some distance. So I don't think they sat down or gave each other calls. Hey, we're going to do this. humanity. But I think the the beauty of Donald Trump is that things tend to work out the way they should with him. Right. And the way this worked out is that you know Donald Trump tweets that's his right as an American citizen and sure. a president. Sure. A. G. Barr says, "Hey, I'm, I need some. I need some space." Here's my question for you. Why doesn't the Attorney General, and I know how our system works, but in the end, it's all up to the Attorney General. Why doesn't he just come in and say, you know what? Stone, done. The country's been through too much. Flynn, done. The country's been through too he much. He may do it. He McCabe, do it. let Durham rock and roll. He may. He may do it. I mean, Fat well, Lady hasn't started singing or finished started singing. Yeah. Look, there's a process. Lawyers are wrapped up in process and procedure. It's what they... They check their brain at the door, their intellect, <laughs> and they very largely rely on you know the the entire procedural thing, and so it may not be ripe or at a point where he can exercise that without creating more hysteria, more you know arm waving and his, just ridiculous commentary. So he'll let it play out, and uh, you know the, the problem is America watches too much Law and Order, and they think that everything everything gets solved in forty two minutes minus right. commercials. Right. It's not clean. It's not pretty. It doesn't right. always work out the way we want it and to. And to your point on Rod, Blagoj- you know, on Rod Blagojevich, that took a long time. The president indicated Years. a long time. Even, yeah. even in this administration, I think the president indicated Libby. months ago that he, was, Libby. that he was going to go. Screw. Same thing. Yeah. So these things take time. But in the end, under this president, justice is being served in a way we haven't seen in a long time. Guys, if you've enjoyed today's special edition of the Battle for 1600, subscribe, write us a review on your iPad tunes podcast app and most especially support this organization judicial watch chris farrell is uh, director of investigations judicialwatch.org on twitter judicial watch i'm sebastian gorka seb gorka on twitter with my buddy co-host boris epstein at boris ep catch you next time god bless god bless bye-bye